I wonder if they're going to end up pushing Clea into the Avengers or if they're going to push her into the Midnight Suns. Mm, I can see Midnight Suns. They need a couple more girls. They Did you see that girls, game? Yeah. They added one. Yeah. Why is she there? <laughs> Wait, you mean um, which Marvel game? The Midnight Suns one that they're making. They put Wanda in that? Yeah. They released oh. like a new um, cover and they added like Wanda and Spider Man. Oh, well, they sell. Like Rogan gave it, she never really gave like independent woman. It was very much like oh, <laughs> my man, my man, my, my man. man, my man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, even though she would always give him a hard time, it was like oh, like she was she was I was going back, I was rereading, and I got to the um issue where he was on trial for like his hand with the Marauders and stuff like that, and the mutant massacre mm-hmm. and all of that, and Rogue left him at Antarctica. And I was like, girl, you going right back? What you mean? She be going right back, yeah. <laughs> I was like, all this for show. She don't need to be she don't need cry and go right back to him. All the time. Nasty girl. That's a doll though. She's great. All right, y'all. Welcome back to another episode of another relaunch. And uh this week I'm going to be Anna Marie LeBeau, uh Miss Rogue. Um, who I found out she did take his last name, I guess. <laughs> um, good for her. Good for her. I mean, I don't think we ever knew Rose's last name, though. I don't think so. Did so, anyone ever just assume that it was like Dark Home because of Raven? Oh, maybe, I guess. Oh, she did adopt her. Uh, yeah, I don't know. That whole family dynamic is a little, yeah. It but, almost feels like they can't be around each other at the same time. Why don't they ever have Nightcrawler <laughs> and Rogue ever in the same room? <laughs> they don't. And it's like, even when they are, <clears throat> they've like rarely acknowledged that they're kind of brother and sister. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of times you'll hear them say, oh, like, that's my friend. Or like, even when they are, like, they don't really ever talk about like, hey, we share mom. And that's like something. I don't know. With everything going on with the Quiet Council and all of that, like, they just each talk to them individually. So <laughs> never it's together. really interesting. I don't actually really care to ever see the dynamic of Mystique and Rogue together, but I do love the dynamic of Mystique and Nightcrawler. Right? I like them two together. I like the I, like brother-sister thing. I always kind of like to see them with Mystique and Nightcrawler in this space of... She, I know everybody says she doesn't like him, um, but I always like kind of looked at it as like she saw Nightcrawler as like her biggest failure. Yes. In in the sense of like, so it was like, she actually doesn't want to be around. But I distinctly remember during the Milligan run when she was impersonating Fox trying to seduce Gambit. Nasty. I think about it. (laughs) That was so nasty. (laughs) (laughs) Like, why would you do that? (laughs) Um, But I think about that. And like, when she was like, oh, you know, I want to join the X-Men. And Nightcrawler was like, you need to leave. And she left. 
And it was like, <laughs> you know like she will do anything to make sure that he is happy. So I always yeah. kind of like in a different way than she does with Rose, where she just wants to insert herself into Rose's life and make all the decisions for her. She very much like lets Kurt do what he needs to do. She really wants to like guide Rogue, whereas Kurt, she just wants him to be happy. They, she wants them both to be happy in different ways. I don't know if she wants Rogue to be happy. I think she just. I think she, I think she does. That's how it all started, because she wanted Rogue to be happy and was afraid that something was gonna happen, so she had to go after Carol. So let's not go on that road. I'm gonna be Romeo the Inhuman. Oh. Oh, don't do that. Choice. <laughs> <laughs> what does he do? Um, he's Iceman's. Oh, he's Iceman's top. <laughs> yeah. Got it. <laughs> Got it. How are you hmm. this week? I'm great. I'm great. I uh, it's Pride Month. You know, mm-hmm. Happy Pride to everybody yeah. out there who celebrates. Um, <laughs> I. Went out last night because they're having Pride Fest out here, and like there's an out festival, and Little Kim performed. So oh, like I could I could miss that. Yeah, that's and, that's right up your alley. Did you say? I mean, come on. Oh, I was <laughs> I was going off the whole <laughs> like night, the whole performance. I you know me, I'm like usually always late, and <laughs> I was late to this, but I walked in right as she started doing Get Money, which is probably my favorite Little Kim verse ever. So, For those fantastic. of you who don't know, LZ is very much a rap girl, okay? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I do love rap, yeah. I mean, it started off like Jay-Z, Tupac, Biggie. I was really into that one. Yeah, oh, I used to love me. Him like Jay-Z. <laughs> yeah, we had <laughs> I'm glad you got to see. Was that your first time ever seeing her live? Yeah. Ooh. And like honestly, she was really good. I've heard that. I'm not gonna she was on a really good I show. was like I was like, oh, she's like performed the entire time. Mike was on the entire time. She did her like, you know. <laughs> so yes. you know it's crazy. I have a friend who went to the um Lovers and Friends Festival. And one of the things that he said, he was like, we really grew up in like a great era of like musicians and like performers. He's like every Mm -hmm. single on that stage, he said, put on a show. The mic was on. They sang, they danced, they rapped, they did whatever. He was like, you know, it was just like really cool to see like that so many of those people who we thought were great actually are kind of (laughs) great. Right. (laughs) Honestly, that's honestly what woke it up for me seeing Kim. I was like, I've always known her to be great. And for me, like. My friends and I recently were all talking about who our like '90s childhood divas were, and everyone brought up you know the Whitney's and Mariah's and stuff. And I didn't get into the, I knew the hits, but I didn't get into them until like I was older. Mm-hmm. But baby Kim, <laughs> Kim was my girl. I actually told my parents a few years ago. I think this was a few years ago. I confessed finally that when I was younger, I did sneak and listen to my mom's hardcore CD. I was like, <laughs> I was like my niece let you know that like, mm. I definitely did sneak and listen to it, so. <laughs> I think I actually had that out. But it's like, like I, I I, you know, one thing I will say about my mom is like, she let me like get a lot of the music and stuff that I wanted to listen to. Like, she was very open about that. I will say though, once my grandmother had come into my room and she had accidentally knocked down my little CD collection, 
And I guess she like listened to it. She listened to like one of the albums. And of course it was like a Tupac album or something like that. That's well, the one she happened to listen to. And so she has all this cussing and stuff. So she goes and she like throws all my CDs in the trash. <laughs> oh my God. I came home. I was so mad. And so like I had to go outside in the backyard. And I'm like digging through the trash to get all my like music and stuff out. And my grandmother like comes in the window. She's like, do you need a bag? <laughs> Did you get them out? Yeah, I did get them all out. They were all fine. I think one was broken, but I think it was like, it might have been like a B2K album. So I mean, like, that was the thing I was telling her. I was like, all these albums aren't even bad. I was like, you threw my Britney Spears album away. She's not like Classic. cussing nobody out. I was like, you just uh, <laughs> listen to the one that was. <laughs> Dang. How are you? Um, I'm okay. I um, I don't know if anybody can tell, but I have a sinus infection. So I'm like oh, no. in the middle of that and like I'm very stuffy and congested. But you drink your ginger ale? I did drink my ginger ale. I actually just bought some more recently. Um, and then like I tweeted about, so my birthday's in a couple of days and I was tweeting about like, oh, not me getting sick right before my birthday. So everyone was like sending me their little home remedies. They're like, oh, do honey and lime juice and ginger and turmeric and garlic and this. So I'm like, oh, I'm gonna do it all. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was like, when that had me down and out, I was like, I got my plans. I'm gonna go get my hair cut. I'm gonna have my birthday. It's mm. gonna be a nice week. The weather's been really good in DC. It's like, once again, nice. Um, we got like some rain earlier in the week, but like we finally settled out. It's like not super hot. It's been a nice 80, cool breezes, sun shining. I was like, I'm ready to be outside. My shorts are all here. They all fit. Okay. It's like, yes. let's do Thighs this. Thighs are out for the summer. Thighs are out for the summer. I'm not saying who's that anymore. They've ruined that phrase. No, they have. They have. It was cute too. I liked it, it for was a hot so second. Fun. We were having a good time. <laughs> like we can never just have pure innocent fun. And I was like, yeah, you just had to turn it into drama. So we're there now. But I have regular shorts that are a de- well, they're still small. But <laughs> we're gonna wear. <laughs> well, speaking of drama, let's get into these news updates of the week and uh not too much going on, but we did want to bring up that uh, Joe Casada will be leaving Marvel. Yeah. Now, for anyone okay who is, <laughs> I mean, honestly, I think so too. Um, <clears throat> and I'm not surprised at how this worked, but let me tell you how like the breakdown of it all happened. So he was editor in chief at um, Marvel Comics for 20 years. 20 plus years and he was the person that was responsible for the ultimate comics line um all of those events that a lot of us that are our age kind of grew up with in the 2000s you know the civil wars the um all that bender stuff <laughs> basically he, he was pretty much responsible for a lot of it he is also responsible for the dead means dead edict that came out where when the heroes died like they weren't allowed you know it became a thing of like death in comic books doesn't mean anything and so his whole mm-hmm. thing was that like oh it's supposed to mean something again so like when these characters die they can no longer come back he is the reason why claremont didn't get to bring betsy back in extreme x-men because he killed her off and then he planned to bring her back but then like not too long after that's when joe did that and so they couldn't bring her back anymore so he had to switch her off for rachel oh damn i know that was the rachel switch yeah oh yeah how do you feel about that uh dead should be dead rule Obviously, it doesn't really matter now with the X-Men, but... Yeah. Um, 
don't know. I th- I think I do think that it 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 impacts like stories in a way that like you don't really feel the emotional weight of certain deaths anymore. I do think now when I see a comic book character have like a major death or like they die in an event, it's like oh well, I know they're gonna come back in a few years. So I do think that has been taken away. And I but I think it also gets really annoying for the characters who die and then they do stay dead. <laughs> like um, mm. <laughs> <laughs> like when um Ares. When Sentry killed him, ah, we haven't seen have. him back. You know what I'm saying? It's like we haven't seen him come back since then. And it's like don't get me wrong, I'm not. I and this is no offense to the Aries fans. I can't really think of anyone who's like clamoring for him to come back into a comic book. But it's also a thing where it's like here's Aries who is like a god, and he dies, and that death sticks. But like Gwen Stacy comes back every other week. She does. There's so many different alternate universes of Gwen that pops in and out for a while, so that's not really fair. <laughs> um, yeah, I feel like the death, the dead means dead thing is, it was interesting at the time because I did mm-hmm. think that it was important. Like characters shouldn't be keep coming back like that. It was great to move the stories forward. Um, as far as like what the X Men are doing, I think I prefer it that for them, where it's like. They're going to be revived, so that way death is taken away because you just are going to be revived. you got to tell a different story there. But I also enjoy the way that... I will say one thing I've enjoyed about the X-Books and how they've treated death is, like, how they don't just do it as, like... Well, some of them do just, like, go die just to die. But, like, they actually mm-hmm. put the emotional weight behind that and, like, the effects of it. It's like, oh, you know, I died. And, like, what that brings to the emotional aspect. I always enjoy when Wolverine would have those conversations with people. Like, just because we can come back from death doesn't mean they should be rushing into it the way that some of them are. Because, it's like, that does take, like, an emotional toll on you and like i've always appreciated that yeah more of that would be nice to see um but yeah so joe casada was the um former editor-in-chief and then he became the um executive vice president and creative director of marvel entertainment so that he was the one that kind of do a lot of the creative direction for the comics but i'm not this kind of him leaving Marvel, in my opinion, was kind of expected because back in 2019, people may remember that they Marvel did a reorganization and they made Kevin Feige the creative officer for Marvel Entertainment. And they retitled Joe Casada's position and made him vice president. Mm. And so I, in my opinion, I was like, he probably is going to bounce if they are... <laughs> You know, putting someone else in that role. Kevin yeah. had never really been in a comic world at all, but he had to hit movies, so they <laughs> replaced yeah. him. All. Whereas Joe Casada had been doing it for twenty plus years. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be interesting. Next. It'll be interesting to see who they get to replace him. Do you think that this will have any effect on the way that the mutants are able to operate within the? Marvel Universe, because you know there were people who thought that Joe Casada wasn't the best fan of mutants he loved because of everything that happened during his time. He did, mm-hmm. you know, he loved the Avengers. House of M happened during his time. Um, you know, all the other Decimation stuff happened. Didn't um, really get to uh, mutants didn't really get to prosper. I don't think it will only because I think the X-Men right now in the comics are in a standing that like nobody wants to mess with. I know a lot of people have kind of been going back and forth about like the school aspect and like when the like Kirkcold will end and all that stuff like that. But I 100% don't think it's going to end anytime soon. And I don't think that's something that they want to push back and like go back to like 
the Westminster or Westchester, wherever they were at. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like, no, you know what I'm saying? Like, I think this island aspect of Krakoa and the mutants, it makes more sense in this new time frame. Like, you have these people who are like hated and feared, but it's like, it doesn't really make sense because they still do whatever all the other heroes do. But it's like, no, if you do put them on this island and you make them seem like you can have the people say, oh, they think they're superior and they do all this stuff. There's a jealousy. Power. You know what I'm saying? It's a jealousy, and it really elevates and evolves what their original mission statement was, and I think, like, that is what comics should be, like, evolution and, like, moving that forward. So, I don't think yeah. any of that's going to change whatsoever, no matter who gets in charge. I think it's very much like, oh, this is probably, like, the most successful the X-Men has been in years. And I even saw someone tweeting about it. They were like, I've missed, like, 25 years of X-Men stories for whatever reason, because they weren't reading. And it was like, really, it doesn't even matter right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we've all got a refresh with Krakoa. We, you can just hop in. It's a complete refresh, and like that's where you start now. And it's like, to go from that, to go back to something where you do have to read like all the 25 years, no. That's mm. crazy. Yeah, it's interesting, too, when you think about the way that this all lined up by Marvel having a reorganization and bringing Kevin Feige in as the creative office of marvel entertainment in 2019 because that's the same time they brought in hickman to revamp the x-men in 2019 um <clears throat> and it makes me well, at least that's when they decided to you know bring his stuff to the table obviously he was working on it well before that time but they decided to launch or relaunch no pun intended <laughs> the x-men um, when they also brought in Kevin Feige, which makes me feel like they were really kind of starting a whole new fresh chapter on stuff. Mm -hmm. And, you know, now the X-Men are prospering, you know? Yeah. I mean, um, and it's like... Since Kevin Feige kind of stepped in. It's a good thing. They, The mutants did deserve it. They were treated very badly for a very yeah. long time. Yeah. Because, and then, like, Marvel could say what they want, but we know it was because of the MCU, and they were trying to push the Inhumans. Okay. Like, I wonder if they'll ever like come out and just be honest about that, or if it's still just no. We don't want to give people the satisfaction. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> it's just like no. It's like we're not gonna do it. It's like baby, like y'all know exactly what you were doing with that, and it's like and it failed. And but well, I mean, I don't know. Ever since that movie, I keep hearing all these people talking about they want to see the Inhumans come back because they want that guy to be Black Bolt again. Oh yeah, he was a good Black Bolt. I didn't watch his show, but he looked the part. Um, I don't think a lot of people watch the show. And, um, well, yeah, yeah. I mean, they cut off Medusa's hair in episode one, I think. Yeah, it didn't make sense. That show, but I wouldn't mind him coming back as Black Bolt. I don't mind Black Bolt. I guess he doesn't. I don't mind the Inhumans when they're written like the kind of like a Game of Thrones kind of superpowered beings. I think they're kind of cool. I like Crystal, and I like. Panacea. Crystal, this. <laughs> <laughs> Crystal the girl. <laughs> Crystal, I definitely like Crystal. Everybody else, yeah. although I, I'm not, I did like the all new human story that was written by James Asmus, but like that was also very much an X Men story. So <laughs> that was very much an X Men story. They even put Homeboy in like a wheelchair. Gorgon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they were really trying it back then. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm. Well, okay. Well, that's all the news we got for this week. Uh, let's go ahead and take a little break, and then we'll come right back. Cool. 
Hello, everyone. Welcome back for another review section of the show as we talk about this week's comics. And um, we had some really good ones coming out, some new ones. So let's get right into it. The first up on the list is Captain Marvel 38. Do you, do you think this series is going to make it to 50 issues? I think so. I really do. I think that I don't really see the the book really slowing down at all. Um, and it seems like Kelly Thompson is really, like, taking it there. So... Do you she hasn't really, like, had any hints of anything canceling, so I hope so. Do you so. think it's going to, like, get to 50 and stop, like, in Immortal Hulk, or do you think it's going to get to 50 and keep going? Depending on what they're doing in the MCU, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Depending on how close we are to the Marvels coming out. <laughs> very, very you know. Well, um, uh, go ahead, tell us about the issue. 50, if, if we end up getting to 50... And the Marvels come out in like a few months, they'll probably keep it going. But who knows then? But um, this issue was a really fun, like, kind of setup issue for this arc, the binary arc that's been going on. Um, on the previous arc with uh, Vox Supreme doing all the battles and everything, Carol basically accidentally created binary. She had this new ability where she could kind of dispel all the uh, photon energy from her body and create this like energy being. But the first time she did it, it was just like energy. It didn't do anything. It could like just blast. She couldn't control it. The second time she did it mixed with like the Phoenix energies of the planet and the DNA of Marvel on the planet and like magic, like comic book stuff. Binary was here. Um, so binary has been on earth doing like missions and everything. But um, Carol has been off away. She, like, got captured. In the previous issue, she, like, came back to her apartment, but then magically teleported away. We didn't know what was happening to her. This issue has been showcasing Binary kind of being this fish out of water, but she's trying to be the superhero. Really cool art. I really enjoy um, Juan for Jerry's art. And uh, the art switches when it goes to Carol's story by um, Alvaro Lopez. And Carol has been captured by the it's kind of a fake out actually in the in the book you see this kind of pan over into carol's story and she's got this really cool sword and she's like fighting these dragons and this one alien comes to her and she's like hey there's like a dragon out there that you need to come help us with and she's like getting ready to go into battle really cool scene and then she's like wait a minute what this isn't right and wakes up and she has been captured by enchantress um Scarlet Witch and Agatha Harkness because previously in, I want to say maybe two arcs ago, actually, when Enchantress was around and um, <laughs> none of the magic community wanted to help Carol because she had a magical villain named Ove who was a child of Enchantress and Namor from like this alternate future. None of the magic community wanted to help her, so she went to Enchantress for the help. Enchantress told her to get this like serpent serum and if she it would be impervious to magic, like she would have magic, she's got a to magic that would be Well, she ended up tricking Ove into taking it, so he ends up losing his connection to magic. And according to Doctor Strange, that's like a big no-no. Like I guess within the magic community, like if you cut someone's connection to magic off, it's like worse than killing them. Carol yeah. was even like, so "We're better if I would have just killed them." And they were like. There are people in the magic community who would have said yes, that you would have just should have just killed them. So now Carol is going to be answering for that. 
Uh, that's kind of how the issue ends, so we don't really see in this one what's going to happen next. But I'm excited for it. I thought this was a fantastic kind of setup issue. I really want to know what's happening with Binary, if she's going to end up becoming real. She's mm-hmm. starting to feel all of the um, the humans of the world are, like, commenting on Binary. They love her costume. They mentioned that in this. Yeah, <laughs> they mention her costume and they think that she's got a cool look, but they all think that she's just Carol. Carol. When they think that she's Carol calling herself binary again. And binary has a moment where she's watching the news and she's like, that's not true. Like, I'm binary, right? Like, I'm not Carol. So we'll see what happens with mm. binary. She's a real character or what? And, you know, whether or not Carol's going to have to pay. If she does become real. <laughs> I love the costume is hot. and the costume is hot. You know I love a white suit. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I like I said, I really enjoyed this. I want to know what's going to happen because um, if the magic community is mad at Carol for doing that to Ove, it was Enchantress who gave her the stuff. So like, why is she even here to to like? I mean, you think Enchantress is going to admit that? No, she's not. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. That's not fair. I'm sure Carol will speak up, so I'm excited for the next issue. This should be a lot of fun. Tell me what happens with Enchantress. I miss my girly. Yeah, we'll see. And it looks like even Wanda was there, and she looks like kind of disappointed that she even has to be there. Like, girl, we told you not to do this, but you did anyway, so we'll see. Okay, what would you rate it? Um, Overall, I would give this issue, honestly, a 3.5, a 4. Okay. Like almost a strong assault before. It was a really solid issue. I'm really liking the way this is kind of springboarding. You know, when you have those kind of next arc issues where they're kind of really getting setting things up for what's to come, mm-hmm. those can kind of be either boring or just feeling like way more setup. But this had a lot of character work in it and some great action. So I really liked it. Okay. Shout out to them. Shout out to the Captain Marvel fans. And you'll yeah. 50. This will be this will be the first time a Carol book has gotten to 50 issues, if it does, right? This is currently now the longest Captain Marvel run for mm-hmm. her. Okay. So every issue was a milestone. <laughs> <laughs> well, congratulations for that. <laughs> All right, next up on the list, we have a new book. Um, the Iceman Infinity comic has started out on Marvel Unlimited. And like, just a really quick aside, shout out to Marvel Unlimited for these little Infinity comic books. I think they are like a really, really good idea. And I think that they're a great way to kind of showcase heroes that don't really get a lot of shine or like characters that don't really get a lot of shine, like give them their own little stories. I hope it continues to stay that way. And like the corporate engine doesn't start running too hard and we just get Infinity comics about like the A-listers that we're already getting in the main books. I think if they can kind of keep focusing on like other folks, the White Foxes, the Icemans, the um, Hellcats and stuff like that, then it will be for And even like, we can go a little bit lower. If you want to give Jesse Bedlam an Infinity comic, I'm not going to stop you. So. Oh, absolutely. That, uh, that sounds fantastic. If we putting him on the list, go ahead and push Shola and Kosi on there too. Period. So. Like, let's get the, <laughs> the shot that they deserve. All right. <laughs> um, <laughs> But this one was Iceman. It is written, drawn, ink, colored, all of that by Luciano Vachillo. Vachillo? I think that, I believe that's how you say his last name. Um, and in this story, Iceman has left Krakoa. He has decided to leave his island paradise and go move to L.A. in a man cave and just kind of do his own superhero thing. Same. same. And... <laughs> 
And um, this is kind of the beginning of that. We see him like fight a couple of different people. He's got his basic Iceman stuff. He's singing, he's making jokes. He's riding around on his ice slide. Um, He's making like ice batons that he's fighting with and telling the guy that he's got to be like his nemesis. That part was was a reach. (laughs) (laughs) When he pulled out those batons, I was like, what you going to (laughs) do? Like, like during the issue, he was, he was like fighting people. I was like, oh, Iceman can fight. <laughs> I was like, I didn't know that. Throws <laughs> people. I was like, well, whatever. I guess you know. I was like, you've been around the X-Men. You should know how to throw a punch at least. They Emma be fighting people all the time. So Throw a punch is using <laughs> weapons and stuff. Well, and flipping it. I guess he, a lot. he was doing a whole lot. But he's, he's a solo hero now. He has to. Um, and then we do later see him back on Kokoa. He's like eating with, um, or he's hanging out with Richter and Northstar. They're like the new gay little trio. So shout out to them for having like their little clique. Um, and they're just like talking to him. He sees the Queen Firestar, the Princess of Kokoa, walking through, and he's like, you know, are you coming to live on the island? And she's like, no, I'm just using the gate. <laughs> <laughs> And um, she's like, you know, we can actually use some help doing some stuff here, uh, helping these refugees. And so they go out and do that. One of the big things about more than marauders. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) my gosh, she should have been a marauder. Yeah. She's leading the marauders. Oh my gosh. Wow. You just woke it up. Um, Who knows better about, you know, how to get to Kokoa than somebody who don't even really live there, but know how to get there know how to get there, know how to get around. She's got the history with Emma. She don't like that lady. Like, anyways, whatever. Don't get me started on that. Marauders was always a big... Anyways. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, after that, they get separated. So one of the big things in the issue was um, when Iceman, Northstar, and Richter were all talking. They were discussing, like, past relationships that Bobby's been in. And, like, you know, ever since Bobby came out of the closet, one of those most defining story arcs that he has is like him dealing with his gayness and like how he navigates it and like how he's like learning about clubs and like doing stuff and all of that. So they talk about him as Christian Frost, the guy he dated out in LA during that solo series. And then they even talk about the inhuman Romeo that he dated when his past self was in a present timeline. He talks about like how he's probably somewhere being like a teenager and by the end of the issue Iceman and Firestar get separated and when he comes up from this place that he was sent who's there but an adult Romeo he's got a well I assume he's an adult he's got a beard now and I feel like that's how they wanted to let us know that he was grown and um the issue ends and then this is I think a four-part Infinity Comics so the next one will be coming out next week and I don't know I'm not gonna lie to you I kind of like this oh I like I know that like and you've won a lot man oh you could no (laughs) (laughs) his character was was under the impression he was i don't think he actually is and reading more comics has this is this has been another gene effect where reading more comics has made me kind of realize the character i think i like isn't really the character you know, mm-hmm. I think I've always liked superhero Iceman and him kind of out there doing his own kind of stuff. And while that is a lane for him, mm-hmm. he's kind of just become like a very, like, basic, Generic. like, it. yeah. Um, it's like the same kind of gay we've been seeing from the, since the 90s. 
I do agree with that. However, I think that's how I've always seen Iceman. Right. See, that's what I mean. I don't, I don't that way. <laughs> I think I've always just kind of seen him as like a generic white guy um, with ice pop. Maybe I'm so, finally catching up on these people. And <laughs> the glasses are coming off. <laughs> but no, it happens sometimes. I don't know. I, I, I can see what you're saying. I can see why like that's not something that you would want to read. I do think that this issue was like kind of fine and like setting him on that path. I do not enjoy this like part of Iceman's character where they like have to keep putting him in a relationship. Right. Or like and I understand it like Doing something gay. To... Like you can't you gotta be gay every five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> it's he does have to be like and but I think I don't think he necessarily has to be in a relationship with a man to like really emphasize he's gay again I think about like you know him going to the clubs and like they show him hooking up with guys and having his kisses like yes we know he is this gay man but it's like I would like to see him navigate that in the mm-hmm. sense of like without quickly putting him with another guy to be like in a relationship and uh, don't get me wrong some of the gays do like to settle down pretty quickly okay. and like find, <laughs> find their husband after like two dates but let him just, if we're going to take him in this avenue of, like, being the solo hero, let him be the solo hero. And, like, let that be the story. And let him really build the villains and the rogues and, like, his character. And then, like, we can bring Romeo back. But, whatever. It's an Infinity comic. It's only four issues, so I get it. You got to kind of get it out there. I'm still going to read it. It's I'm pride. Looking for it. You know he was going to get it's, something. It's baby. also pride. <laughs> thing. He's, like, the face of pride now. Him and Wiccan. Where's Wiccan's Infinity comic? Actually, let me tweet Marvel. He right. has one. He was in that one with that ugly costume on, and him and Hulkling were like separated. Oh. I said a Wiccan. Oh. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. You gotta bring his man. Now we talk about somebody that's my man, my man, my man. <laughs> okay, so the, the thing is, he will actually leave his man to go do something else. He's done it before. Now, he's but let's be honest, he gonna bring his man right on with him. If he can. <laughs> if he can, he will, but if it's not necessary, he won't. <laughs> and then as soon as the mission over, he gonna go right back to his He's gonna go home, he's like, I'm like, he's no, like, I'm hating. <laughs> he's gonna be like, look, I know where I'm wanted, and so I'm just gonna go. <laughs> I've got I've come to terms with like hulking and Wiccan's relationship. Mm-hmm. I don't scream for a divorce the way I used to. Although I still think you were championing for them to get a <laughs> breakup. <laughs> I swear, any any cute boy come around any one of them is like, look, it's go. Not- Lead that man. Go ahead. And you know, honestly, I'm not gonna lie to you. I do think they might get to a point where they will break up. I think someone's gonna like want to kind of shake the table with that storyline for them and do that. But for right now, it happens like, with every like great. Yeah. You know honestly, I don't know. I don't know if you'd want that to happen now because if that happens, that kind of cements them as like a couple. You put them through something like that and then they get back together. It's fine. It's. Some 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 characters are just like regulated to that fleet. It's, yeah, you just, just gotta do that. I mean, hey, it gives them more story. It's it's not a bad relationship. They just they, I find them annoying. Sorry, <laughs> it's kind That's of bad. Hulkling is emotionally abusive, but we won't get into that right now. This is about Iceman and his. <laughs> 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 but yes, um, everything that you described about Iceman, about him kind of going off and being his own superhero and really navigating his own sexuality <clears throat> and the way that he came into it 
the way that he came into it as a, a young kid and then as an adult is what I thought we would get navigating as him as a superhero. But it seems to be that it's Iceman has just been kind of sped up to just be a gay from WeHo. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll see. Are it you gonna... sense, I mean, it's not even the the uh, the WeHo thing, obviously. I don't live too far, <laughs> but um, <laughs> but I and Iceman also like used to live in Los Angeles after he left the X Men, like the O Five originally. He mm. went to the West Coast. I think that kind of should have told people. Mm. It's always like so interesting when I see the Iceman is gay discourse come up, and they're like, "Oh, this character that I loved back in the '90s wasn't a gay man," and it's like, uh, I don't know. I was reading the same comics, but. That was clearly always a gay man. Like, Iceman being gay is like a joke in, like, popular culture. Yes. It's like... um, The Iceman episode on Family Guy came out, like, six or seven years before they even talked about it in the comics. Like, it's very evident that young man was a homosexual. So it's like, shout out to him for finally living in his truth. Um, Yeah. I do think this art... Luciano, I will admit, like, I was never, like, the biggest fan of his um, art style, but I will say that, like, he is really improving in the way that he draws. Like, I noticed, like, a lot of facial acting in here, like, the whole fights, and, like, for those who haven't read the Infinity comics, you don't read them like a regular comic. Um, It's, what's the word I'm looking for? Vertical. Mm -hmm. And, like, going, sliding up and down on these panels, like, the action, like, looks really good the movement's kinetic like it doesn't feel like too much of a lull or like it stop, stops in any part so i really like that so it's like i think he's improving in that regard so a shout out to him and i do think it fits for something like an infinity comic yeah yeah um it seems also that he's like super passionate about Iceman and like really like putting stuff into him so that's pretty cool and i, I feel like i feel like the cool puns are not intentional (laughs) (laughs) it just happens Uh, what would what would you rate this honestly while i may have come to terms that iceman just isn't for me i thought the issue was fine it's like a three out of five i'd give it um the art was pretty good it was again it really established something for iceman um, I did think that he needed his own kind of lane. And while people had come up with, well, maybe he could be a teacher or maybe he could be leading a team, I think Iceman is just a solo character. Like, um, I feel like all the O5 have their own kind of like roles. And while Gene and Scott are the X-Men and you have uh, Hank with, uh, you know, all his science stuff and being an Avenger and... Um, then you have yeah. Angel as X-Corp with just being the money. And Iceman needed his own lane, and I think he's just a solo. Okay. That's fair. That's a fair assessment. Powerful now, enough to show up on the teams, and obviously he'll get picked because he's a team player, but just let him be a solo. I agree with that. And I do think um, this is a good space for him. And I'd also agree that I would give this a three out of five. So if you like Iceman... You like it. Oh, you know what? I also will give it props, yeah. uh, Luciano. I really did like the Iceman snow symbol of the yeah. X and guy. That's that pretty was cool. nice. That was cool. I like yeah. that. Set him up with his own little logo. His old symbol. Yeah, he got a logo. Branding, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was good. That's pretty um, creative. Not a fan right. of the costume, but the I, I actually really I like the costume. 
But I like a white suit, so maybe I'm not the best. Yeah. I like a white suit. I just didn't like the white suit in that shade of blue. I like the shade of blue, too. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. <laughs> also wish it was a t-shirt. You know, I like to show a little skin. Mm-hmm. Man, that's nice, man. He's not there yet. Yeah. He should be, but whatever. Not yet. He just he just was just only wearing wedges. He's got a right. while before he started. Uh, those wedges. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> next. Oh, speaking of the gays, next up on our list is Knights of X number two. And that comes from Teeny Howard oh. and Bob Quinn. Um, this... Have things started to get a little lesbian? <laughs> no, but they're not going to. <laughs> I'm sorry, that was rude. <laughs> um, I don't think I, I'm not gonna lie to you. I don't actually think Betsy and Rachel are going to be like a couple in this book. I think it's a little bit queer baby. Um, and I really think that they're just gals being pals. If they do end up being romantically linked, um, I will say it's good in the way that a rachel needed to be confirmed a lesbian and then we get a little bit of bisexual betsy but i don't think those two are a good match at all they have nothing in common they've always given friendship um rachel is just like not even the type of girl that like betsy would date and i was gonna say you know betsy doesn't really have the best track record with men but i feel like she'd have a better track record with women and like you go to rachel summers no, it just doesn't make sense. But again, I don't. I, I we're, we're still touch and go. I'm still not 100% convinced that that relationship is going to become a thing. But basically, in this issue, Rachel, um, you know, Betsy got all the knights last issue together to come out of the world to look for the Siege Perilous. So with Rachel there, Betsy, some of the other captain members, they do a circuit. <clears throat> excuse me, where they can reach out to Kakoa and tell them everything that's going on. While that's happening, Merlin is having like his meeting with all the heads of the different places in other world and they take off mad jim jaspers they've created this like concoction that they can put on the mutants in other world and it'll cancel out their powers and so betsy's like we need to go to blight spoke so we can rescue this person on this side and then she sends gambit and another crew to the crooked market so they can rescue mad jim despite both of these teams going on a rescue mission no one gets rescued and <laughs> Oh, Betsy wow. does leave Shogo with Roma because she's like, you know, I got this dragon baby here. Everybody's making a big deal about him being a baby and getting hurt. She's like, so I'm not going to keep taking him on the missions. And she's like, even though he's a knight, his quest might not be the same as mine. So she leaves him in Roma's care and then they go to go free the lady. When they do that, they find her because they locked her up because the people on her crew are mutants. So there's this whole thing now in other world there that... Megan has always supposed to have been like a fairy mutant hybrid type of person. Mm-hmm. And apparently she's not the only one. So like mutants in other world are like a thing. And Okay. Now like um what's his name? Merlin is like sending his furies and stuff to go collect them and do that. And so when they find Whitechapel, she's like, you know, I'm not a mutant. She's like, but all these guys on my crew are. And she's like, I wasn't gonna let them just like get taken without me like i'm gonna stay with my people so when Beskin rescues her she's like actually drop me because i want them to think i'm dead so i can like do my own plan she does that then they leave gambit and his crew are like fighting the giant furies trying to rescue mad uh mad jim they don't and then when it all ends betsy and her crew that has who's on her side shatterstar and richter and mordred they all go to sabaleth so she can find death 
that's where all the vampires are. There was a really cool data page from Cypher to Richter. So in the last issue, they showed that Richter had given Cypher... They write letters to each other. That's all. The data pages used to hit, okay? They did. What like happened? Really cool infographs with, like, <laughs> inf- like, awesome information. And now it's just, like, giant letters and, like, pages. And that's why I kind of stopped reading them. <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, let me start again. Um, and I will say that this data page was actually kind of cool. It was Cypher writing back to Richter. He was like, hey, I deciphered that book that you gave me. It is a very old language. It does seem like Apocalypse was hiding something. Um, he talks about how it looks like it's from before Okara spit, split into Krakoa and Araka. Oh, okay. So I'm always into, like, Okara stuff in history, so that was really cool for me. Um, and he also just talks about, like, B and, like, how she was feeling kind of antsy and maybe she wanted to go back and rescue Betsy. And I was like, I know that's right, girl. Oh, okay. um, <laughs> so that was cute. Um, and then the issue ends. I think... I think this book is like giving consistent, but it's kind of frustrating in the way that I don't think anything in the story moves. Again, we had two rescue missions and nobody got rescued. And then we're kind of like still in the same spot that we were at the beginning of this one. We haven't really moved the story forward. We've just gone to another place doing the same thing that we were just doing. And it's come to my, like, I, I guess it's come to my attention that like, Otherworld is the main character of this story. And, like, that's something that a lot of people have always been frustrated about because a lot of the characters didn't speak and do too much outside of Betsy. And it's like, okay, Betsy's still doing stuff, but it's like now, again, we're not really getting, like, those, like, good bonding moments or, like, these characters doing stuff together. It's mostly about, like, how they're just reacting to everything going on in Otherworld, which is, like, fine, but it's also just, I guess, a little boring. Yeah because you don't feel any attachments to any of these characters really and it's just like whatever like even Mordred. Mordred is in this book now it's a younger version of him that we're seeing in the story and he's supposed to be a mutant and it's like okay what are his powers like what does he do like how is he like fitting in and bonding with this team no he's just there because we got to focus so much on like oh this part of other ones being built up and this part of whatever is being built up and it's just kind of like we did a lot of that in Excalibur and it seems like we're just doing it again here in Knights of X and it's just kind of like okay, we've got it, it's fine, but I'm ready to, like, take this to the next level. This feels like what you were just saying about, like, the issue, how sometimes it's, like, setting up an arc and it feels a little bit like filler. That's kind of what this one felt like. And and at some point, it's like, all right, when are we going to just stop, like, filling everything up? When are you going to get up and move? So... (laughs) Get your fucking ass up and work. Okay. <laughs> Feels like no one wants to work these days at all. And I would pro- and like I also like don't really care for the way that like these characters are written. Sometimes they talk like they sh- I don't know. It's weird. It like they're in the setting of Otherworld, which is like magical and sometimes old and things like that. And they like talk like they're in the time. And I don't feel like oh. they should speak that way. I feel like they should speak like a modern person, just like in this new area. I always think about. Did you ever watch the show called The Magicians? No. Okay, hopefully someone listens. <laughs> you should also go and watch The Magicians. It's a really good show. It was on sci-fi. But, like, they used to go to this place called Fillory, which was, like, this magical kingdom. But they were all very much from Earth. But it would, like, be interesting because when they would go to Fillory, some of the characters would talk about stuff. They'd be like, oh, this is, like, some Harry Potter stuff going on right now. And the people in Fillory would be like, what's Harry Potter? And it's like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Like, you don't know what they're talking about. But, like, they're still talking they how care. they would. 
Um, and I don't get that. Like, even when Betsy calls, like, her Lady Saturnine, I think that is so stupid. Like, Betsy would never mm. call you Lady Saturnine, like, anything. <laughs> She's not. But I guess that's just how knights talk. And, and that's the other thing. It's like, I get it that you're trying to get the emphasis of, like, they're knights, quote-unquote, but it's like, they're not actually, like, literal knights. Like, and there's, yeah. like, there's so much emphasis on, like, oh, the other knights, and we got the knights. And it's like, girl, calm down, be calm. Get it. <laughs> like, get it. But nonetheless, the issue itself, I think it's fine. I think Bob Quinn does a very serviceable job on the book. Um, I'd give it, like, a three out of five. I'm I'm still kind of curious. This was limited. This is labeled as like five issues on Comicsology, um, so I think a lot of Betsy fans are just waiting to see like, is this finally? I said finally gonna be over. Like, <laughs> um, is this going to be over and we get to like a new writer? And I'm I'll, I'll be perfectly honest. Like, I'm ready for a new writer. You ready? I think, and I've always said this, and like I still stand by. I think Teenie Howard is like a brilliant woman. I think she has fantastic ideas. I think the world building of Other World has been fantastic. I think the way she kind of like the things she puts into the stories, like the Mordred being a mutant thing, um, stuff that was like going on in Knights of X. I think a lot of that is really, really interesting and really good. But the execution has always just been a little shaky, and then the dialogue is just not. I don't. Uh, I, I like read this book, and I'm like, who are these people? sometimes and it's just like and at some point it's just like okay we got what we got now we can like either put it to bed or we can let somebody else come in and try and do something different with it you know or like give their spin of it but I also feel like that with a lot of the X books right now I think a lot of them I think the writers room could use a refresh mm-hmm. but that's that that's nice of X number two what else? Um, and before I get to the last book of the week, I did want to shout out Action Comics. Their annual came out, and that's just Philip Kennedy Johnson being Philip Kennedy Johnson. He's a great writer. <laughs> it's pretty good, yeah. Like, he's a really good writer. Yeah. Um, I really enjoyed the story that they had going on in that, so definitely check that out. You see, it's it's an annual, so you know how those are just kind of like a side extra story for whatever's going on, and you just get to compare um superman and mongol and how they were both raised and you see like ma kent and how she had cancer and um like the kids tried to make fun of her when she was bald um but one kid was a bully and of course clark had to be like you know the better person it was a pretty good story and mongol was like raised on i think again i think if anyone wants to like get into superman or has like had any reservations about superman action comics is like the way to go definitely it is the book um and our last book on the list of the week is strange number three. Oh, this was a big week for magic yeah go off um but that help y'all get something you tried it but that comes from jed mckay and we actually had a guest artist i think on this issue um marcelo ferreira and Clea is that girl. And let me tell you something. Not only is Clea that girl, but Charlize is going to absolutely kill it. Yeah. As her in the MCU. Okay? Like, oh no, this is yeah, this is the same artist, Marcelo Ferreira. Never mind, he's not a guest artist. Um, I was reading this issue and basically it's just like Clea being a badass. She's looking for the blasphemy cartel, which is like this magic like um cartel group. Okay. <laughs> basically. <laughs> yeah. Um and like 
just the way she talks and like the way she kind of like affirms herself and she is just like i'm that girl like you're gonna listen to me you're gonna respect me you're gonna do what i do say like that energy Charlize is going to manifest that in the mcu and it's going to be really really good to see and i've had a couple people ask me like what they should get into for clea to learn more about her honestly just start here Death of Doctor Strange <laughs> and this series right here. I, it's interesting because Clea is similar to Mara in the way that both their stories kind of revolved around them just being like the wife or the girlfriend. Like, yes, they were badass. Yes, they were like strong. Yes, they could do whatever they want. They were powerful, but they didn't really do anything that didn't revolve around Strange or Arthur. You know what I'm saying? Never really got the story themselves. And whereas Mara got her push a couple years ago when she became Queen of Atlantis, she got a miniseries, she joined the Justice League, she started having her own solo rise. Now Clea's having hers. So I think like if you're interested in her, like this is just now the perfect time to really get into it. So shout out for that. Um, but while she's going after this blasphemy cartel, um, she fights them and they like use this one thing that takes away her magic for up to three minutes. And so they're like, yeah, we got these AR uh, rifles. And so they start shooting at her. And so when they do it, like all the bullets have stopped and she pops up. She's like, yes, while it's true that device takes away earth magic, she's like, I am, am a warlord from the dark dimension and I still have all of that magic <laughs> at my disposal. <laughs> Period. And she clears the group. She turns them all into stone. <laughs> and she like goes to see what they were going but she finds a bunch of computers and she's like i don't know why this like magic group would have all these computers so she puts them in uh stranger sanctum she gets a message that her mother is actually going to be coming in for dinner so like it's this big like uh this like magic guy pops up and he's like oh i need to know any dietary restrictions that you might have and all this kind of stuff like that and she's like my mom's coming but then the blasphemy cartel they get worried that Clea destroyed their house with all the other people. So the guy's like, okay, we got to go smack at her. So the next issue is going to have her mom coming in for dinner. And then the cartel is going to be attacking Clea at the sanctum. Okay. This sounds like a lot of fun. Shout out to them for really boosting Clea. I'm convinced somebody over at Marvel is listening (laughs) to us. Convinced. We love it. We love it. This is like really good. Like, I'm into like Jen McKay again is also like a really good writer. I don't think I've read anything from him that I haven't liked so far. And what he's doing with Clea is really cool. What he's doing with like just her world, her magic, building her up. And I really do like, even though she still talks about like, you know, my husband's dead, y'all going whatever. She's like, I'm still that girl. And I appreciate that. So right. I would give this issue a four out of five. The art is really cool and stellar. Anytime Clea goes into like her little magical forms with like she's flaming and she's doing great stuff. It's going to be really interesting to see um, the next issue. They're actually bringing in a evil Moon Knight called Shadow Knight, oh. a former villain of his. So um, we'll see how that works and um, how that goes. Hopefully Moon Knight makes a little guest appearance. <laughs> uh, oh. Okay. I wonder if they're going to end up pushing Clea into the Avengers or if they're going to push her into the Midnight Suns. Mm, I can see Midnight Suns. They need a couple more girls. They Did you see that girls, game? Yeah. They added one. Yeah. Why is she there? <laughs> Wait, you mean um, which Marvel game? The Midnight Suns one that they're making. They put Wanda in that? Yeah. They released oh. like a new um, cover and they added like Wanda and Spider Man. Oh, well, they sell. We <laughs> <laughs> had a game. We had a movie. So whatever. Shout out to them. But I would rate this 4 out of 5. I think you guys, everyone should pick it up. It's pretty cool. 
All right, well, um, transitioning from Comics of the Week over into the Comic Book Club, this week we had started the club for the month, and we're getting into Thor, Jason Aaron's Thor. We're going to be kind of doing like a speed run, I guess, kind of through some of this, because the run is super long. So this first uh, talk, we just did the first three issues, and the next episode we'll be talking about issues four through nine, so definitely check those out. But for now, we did Thor, God of Thunder, uh, written by Jason Aaron with art by uh, Isad Ribic and Oribik. Apologies if I uh, mispronounced that. And honestly, this was like my first foray into a Thor book. Mm. And by that I mean like I I read Thor books before, but they were usually like tie-in issues to something mm. or a guest appearance of one of my favorite characters. But I've never actually like read a Thor run. This is kind of my first time getting into it. Thor kind of fun. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I was like, okay, wait a minute. The Asgardian stuff is kind of cool. Um, the first three issues, like the, I had heard about Gore, the God Butcher before. Um, and obviously with the new movie coming out next month, that's going to be the main villain. Um, but what I appreciated about this was right off the bat, we got right into Thor, the God Butcher being a God Butcher. And um, this is broken up into three different tales of the story. It's almost like it's like Thor has been fighting Gore the God Butcher like all his life, mm-hmm. <laughs> basically. And um, we have the younger version of Thor who has he isn't worthy yet. He we saw how he did, I think it was an issue two. He didn't have his uh, hammer yet. He's got his axe. I think it's Yarnborn. Is how you pronounce it? Mm-hmm. And uh, he's like super cocky. The all he wants to do is just drink, fight, and get with women. And he meets Thor, I mean, Gore the God Butcher, and is like wrecked. Thor, like, I mean, Gore ends up <laughs> beating his ass all <laughs> Gore Thor. <laughs> and um, yeah, he like gets his in the in the future version of him, the middle Thor is the Thor that we kind of know, the Avengers Thor. He's running into more gods. We did see, I think it was issue two. Um, the big spread of like the big ice, uh, like dragon looking thing that we end up seeing, mm-hmm. which I thought was pretty cool that they kind of yeah. took that one. one. Um, we see that the Thor from our era, uh, the Avengers era Thor, he like knew that uh, that Bill, he was like, I have to figure out what's going on. I've already experienced these things before um, with these gods being killed. Uh, I thought I killed Gore. Um, issue three ends up ending with. Thor remembering that he kind of killed Gore, but he's like, I've lived like thousands of years. <laughs> so um, I, there's so many things. There are people who I've like fought battles with where I can't even remember their faces because I've just lived for that long, um, which I thought was a really cool, interesting take on Thor. That's kind of what really pick up for a lot for me with this has been getting a lot more insight into Thor. Like in the beginning, um, when they showed Avengers era Thor mm-hmm. off on a different planet. He comes to this planet and, and rescues these people. Uh, they were had been praying to him and he heard their prayers. And it made me remember that, like, oh yeah, Thor is a god. Mm-hmm. Um they may have watered him down in the MCU, but like Thor is a extremely god. <laughs> it's god. Like, his godhood was one of the things that I really enjoyed about his relationship with Firebird back when they were both Avengers, because she is um, a Catholic and she was very religious. And so, like, she was kind of, like, dealing with the thing of, like, you are a god. 
and like how do I act with you and like him dealing with like his godhoodness and like feeling like he's not worthy and blah 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 and like her having like her belief system and that interaction she really should have been in that book firebird yeah I can't believe Aaron made <laughs> Echo the Phoenix. <laughs> well, Firebird was really right there. <laughs> People, he likes the Phoenix. Mm. Um, I'm surprised we haven't got any inklings of the Phoenix yet in this, but you know, we'll obviously keep going. But um, yeah, I don't know. I thought these first few issues were really solid. Like I, like I said, I don't really read too much Thor, but I really liked what I read so far. Gore the God Butcher is um, very. I like the way he looks in this. I see the complaints that people have about um, the movie. And uh, what's the actor who's playing him? Christian Bale. Christian Bale. And I get the look that he looks just like Christian Bale with white makeup on compared to what we see in the comics. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, sometimes I don't want to wear all of that. I mean, it's the MCU. I don't know what you... <laughs> I don't know what to say. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, like, I don't know. Take it, take it or leave it. Um, exactly. And yeah, I don't know. I think it's pretty good. I'm excited for the next like batch of issues to see what's going on. I thought the art was pretty good. I thought, I don't know. I kind of like Isad's work on this a little bit more than what he's been doing recently on Eternals. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's just Thor and the way that the kind of the his style really fits the way Thor is kind of flowing through these fights and flying through space and everything. I thought that was pretty cool. That's interesting. I'll have I'll to go back and compare. In issue, I think, three, Thor was, like, going around trying to figure out, he saw these gods, like, the, those, the aliens prayed to him, and he was like, where are your gods? He's like, they haven't been answering to us, so he goes off and finds them, and he finds out that they were being killed, so he goes to this library that's, like, the knowledge of everything in the universe or whatever, and he's like, a librarian tell me where these where i can find out what happens to these guys and the whole time the librarian was being nasty just like oh you are a killer <laughs> and uh, oh you sure you want to go to this area of the library why don't i take you to this area where everything is about all the people you killed and your family <laughs> and i was like damn <laughs> and the guy was or was even like oh i'm sorry for things that have happened in my youth but like i'm here to do something right now like give me the information oh well <laughs> 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 I truly thought that thing was good, too nasty for Thor, but he ended up getting the information and figuring it out. Mm, he's fine. But yeah, I am. Um, I'm excited for to get more into this. Um, yeah, let's check out the next issues. We'll be going over um, the issues four through nine. Uh, mm-hmm. Also, be on the lookout for what you guys want to kind of do for next month. Um, if by the end of this, we're gonna switch over into Mighty Thor with. Uh, uh, Jane. Yeah, so we'll be seeing some of that right before the movie. Um, but then be on the lookout for what you guys kind of want to do for next month. If you want to do an Avengers book, next man DC stuff. Um, so, yeah. Let's go ahead and then take a little break and then we'll come right back. All right, all right, all right. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to everyone's favorite part of the show, the relaunch section slash character corner. And so this week, it's my pick, and um, the character I will be relaunching today is one Miss Danny Moonstar. Now, for those who don't know, Danny is probably like 
honestly top four of my ex ladies. Like it would probably be Betsy Storm, Dazzler, and then Danny. Um, though, hey. if she gets if she continues to stay in New Mutants Purgatory, Frenzy might knock her off that spot. But <laughs> <laughs> you didn't hear that from me. Um, but <laughs> I can see where this relaunch is going. <laughs> So just a little backstory on Danny. Um, so for those who don't know, Danny was created in 1982 by Chris Claremont and Bob McCloud uh, in the New Mutants book. She was a character where her powers and abilities obviously allow her to manifest people's greatest fears into like illusions. Uh, she can also do their greatest desires sometimes as well, although that one's not really like touched upon as much. But when Danny was a kid, she was like having all these nightmares about like this demon bear killing her and her parents. And then like her parents were missing. So she was taken in by her grandfather by the name of Black Eagle. And um, the Hellfire Club actually tries to come and get Danny for themselves. But her grandfather had already called Xavier to take her to the school. And so he dies in the ensuing battle. Xavier comes to get her. And then she goes to there and she joins the new mutant. She um, starts off, she's a very, like, angry girl. She's, like, very much like, Xavier, you are the white man. I don't like you. She's got a lot of stuff going on. Obviously, her parents have gone missing. Her grandfather's died. She's got a lot of anger built up inside of her. And a lot of her story is kind of like dealing with that. And having she's not wrong. She's not. <laughs> she never was. <laughs> but uh, we just needed her to be a little bit healthier about how she said that. <laughs> um, and so from there, you know, um, Danny's history is basically pretty much involved in the X-Men and the X-World and things that they go on. She joins the New Mutants and she stays on that team. She goes through multiple adventures of her. Her biggest storyline with them was probably the Demon Bear and how it comes back to attack her. And then the rest of the team, they all help her defeat it. And like she reunites with her parents, but she still stays at the school anyway. Later on, the New Mutants would end up going to Asgard. And while she's in Asgard, she would find like this horse that's like stuck in some mud and barbed wire. And she frees him. The horse chooses her like to be her new rider. And we discover that this horse is like one of the Forces of the Valkyrie, and Danny is then inducted into the Hall of Valkyries, and she gets a new death power to go along with her other stuff. And like that is probably like the second storyline that tends to stay with Danny the most throughout her career as a costumed hero. Um, so she continues on with the New Mutants, and then she joins their various teams like X Force. Um, she actually does go back to Asgard for a little bit of time, and it's there's really interesting storylines like while she's there, like stay because Brightwind ends up dying, unfortunately, sadly, um, when Hela like starts a war in Asgard because what does Asgard do if they don't go to war? And the horse dies there, so she decides to stay in Asgard, and one of her Cheyenne gods actually like gets really upset about this and like approaches her while she's in Asgard and is like, oh. you need to leave. You <laughs> and oh, Danny, cool. Yeah, and like Danny has a conversation with the gods. She ends up talking them down and she's like, you know, I can stay here. She's the one thing about Danny is like she's a very proud Cheyenne woman. She's constantly talking about that. Like I am Cheyenne, I am mutant, but she's also kind of accepted this new role as Valkyrie in Asgard. She's like, I want to see what that's about. She's like, but don't think that that means I'm giving up my Cheyenne heritage it's just another part of me that i'm adding i'm going to come back to my tribe one day and the god's like all right cool she does she ends up um leaving asgard and she joins up with shield and she jo becomes a 
secret agent infiltrating the mutant liberation front. That's when she, I don't know if you've ever seen it, but that like one costume, it's like all red and it covers her face and she uses her bow and arrow. She's also now learned how to um, manifest her abilities in the form of psychic arrows. So she gives her a little bit more offensive capabilities. One of the things that she always did is like, obviously she got to get into your head. This was something that she could do from afar. And then it would like overwhelm people and knock them out. So that was like a really cool application. You learned it from the Betsy print. Um, and I it was cool. So we allow it. <laughs> <laughs> we love Danny. So we let it go. But nonetheless, uh, she does that. She joins X Force. Um, she's a part of that team. She becomes one of like the big leaders of the new mutants in X Force. And that's a, and because Danny's a very smart woman, she's very battle savvy. She knows how to fight. She's a natural born leader. Um, so that works out a lot for her. Then she was supposed to become an X-Man. There's actually like one issue where she's teamed up with Wolverine. They're researching something um, to find like some of the other mutants in the Neo. Do you remember the Neo? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were like looking for the Neo. And that was like her one issue was like an official X-Man. And it was like, okay, yes, this is the move we're going. Because it's like Danny had been stuck in New Mutants Purgatory. And they had did a lot with Cannonball and trying to like move him up to the X-Men status, which I actually think they did a really good job at doing. Like Cannonball feels like an X-Man these days. Um, he's he still Cannon, feels like Cannon, a, I feel like Cannonball feels like an X Man because he was able to leave and go to space. I think really like going off and like becoming a part of the Imperial Guard, like really cemented oh. him being away from the New Mutants. I think that cemented him being away from the New Mutants, but I don't know. I still kind of feel like Cannonball had the X Men stuff. Like he was on that team for a little while back in the '90s with like Maggot and CC Reyes. Claremont would use him again during. Oh the yeah, movie. I was never there. Um, he was like a part of disassemble um for a little bit you know i think they look at him i think cannonball was honestly supposed to be like the next cyclops cable situation but then like once he did go to space and get involved with the avengers thing they took him like the family route and that spot was no longer his (laughs) so (laughs) Um, they do that. Danny's path actually takes, because she, she joins the X-Men for like that one mission after she leaves X-Force and then she, we don't see her again. The next time we do see her, she's now become a teacher at the Xavier School and she has like her own little squad now. And at first she has like some issues with that. She's like, I don't know if I want to be a teacher. Like, I don't know what I could do, but it did feel like a nice little continuation of evolution of her character. She was a student. Now here she is. She's doing that. And she had her squad. She was, they were teaching the... Uh... Academy X kids, those children. Wasn't she one of them having like an appropriate relationship? Inappropriate relationship. Yes, Elixir yeah. was. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so that was actually the thing. Um, Danny ended up like kind of adopting Elixir. She was his ward, so it was like when he was messing with Wolfsbane, she was like, "Hold on, girl," because you know her and Wolfsbane are really close, and it was like she's got like mm-hmm. her animal. So her and Wolfsbane used to talk a lot. So that caused a little rift in their relationship for a while. Then Wanda Maximoff uttered her infamous three words of no more mutants and depowered a bunch of mutants and killed a lot of people as well. And Danny was one of those people who lost her. Did you see did you see that tweet where someone said, um, <laughs> it would be funny if Wanda showed up to the Hellfire Gala and just whispered no more mutants to watch people <laughs> run around? <laughs> and it's like crazy because you can see Wanda doing something like that. She's a nasty. Girl. But, I like her. <laughs> She's popping too. Um, but Danny is one of the people who loses her powers, um, and Emma Frost kicks her out of the mansion. And the now school- that's a nasty lady. Very, but you know they love their white queen child. Um, 
she so Danny like leaves. Uh, she's she still kind of stays around. Like uh, there was a big emphasis of Danny on this time of like even though she does not have her powers, she is still very much a capable woman able to do whatever it is. So she joins the new mutant. She actually joined up with the um, fearless defenders team, which was like all the women for a little bit. Uh, run, written by Cullen Vine and art by Will Sliney, I want to say. Um, and she joined up with them. I, she actually has a really cool intro. It's like these guys trying to come in and. Uh, Everyone thought we trying to kidnap her now that I think about it. They're, like, kind of coming to take her down, and she, like, beats everybody up. And she's like, okay, <laughs> so that was a waste of time. And, uh, but she eventually comes back to the mansion. She joins the new mutant. She deals with that whole aspect of, like, you know, I don't have my abilities. I don't have my powers, but, like, I can still do that. She starts carrying guns everywhere. And that's kind of just, like, her space in the books for a while. Um, once all of that stuff after Disassembled happened and the Age of X-Men stuff goes on, Danny and some of the other new mutants, they are, like, kidnapped during that Rosenberg run, and there's some stuff with the mix of the uh, Phalanx, and it's some weird comic book stuff. She gets her powers back. (laughs) That's all that matters. That's all that really matters. And it's, like, kind of crazy that that's how they gave her her powers back, knowing that, like, the Crucible and, like, Krakoa and all of that stuff was about to come next where we could have just had her do that. I think that actually would have been a really interesting issue of, like, seeing Danny go through the Crucible to, like, get her powers back. Like, she had already had her powers, but if she had it, the issue where Apocalypse fought Arrow, that would have been great for Danny. Oh, that would have been hot. Yeah. Oh, man, if that was Danny versus Apocalypse? Yeah. Yeah. That would have been hot, right? I'm just thinking about like the crowd reactions while Apocalypse was like really going in on her and like people being like, not Danny. And then like Danny like triumphing at the end. (laughs) Like, yeah. Um, So that that happened. um, So Danny gets her powers back. And now once again, she is with the new mutants over in this new era. And her writing to me has been a little like shaky. I think that they kind of go overboard with the dead mother aspect of her. I do like a Danny that's a little bit more like hard edged and like isn't afraid to say what she wants to say like in the real way. Like this is the girl like she don't hold her tongue for anybody and she will like punch you in the face. And that's one of the things I always kind of appreciated about her. One of my favorite scenes of Danny is actually during the um, whole like Messiah Complex second coming era where they're in the um cafeteria and she's like you know my new mutants team was out here karma just got her leg cut off like i got people in pain she's talking to cable she's like is your new little project worth it and hope is like hold on who you talking about but danny's like i'm not talking to you girl don't do right. it and surprise it and danny gotta beat her up a little bit and i'm she just like <laughs> But it's like, that's the type of person Danny is. And like, I just really love that about her. Um, and so for my relaunch for her, she leaves the X-Men. <laughs> wow, you want her to leave. Okay. I'm, I'm sorry to all of those people who like really enjoy it, But I just feel like there is a part of Danny and her character that really needs to get away from the New Mutants brand. And to really see her thrive. And I and, say that. People say I'm a hater. I mean... Now, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, keep going. <laughs> no, but like, really, though, and like the new mutants, I, and like, I love the new mutants. Let me say this like, the new mutants are probably like my team. You know what I'm saying? When I was reading comic books when I was younger, it was actually Generation X was out, but like, I wasn't reading that. I was going back to read the new mutants. And so. They were X-Force at the time, and I did like X-Force as well anyway. So it all worked out. But, you know, 
I just think New Mutants purgatory for a lot of these characters is just like not where it's at. I don't mind it getting the band back together every now and again and like giving them an annual issue to like talk and read and like meet and do whatever. But all the time together still, it just doesn't really like make that much sense to me, especially with the way all of their characters have gone. It feels like so many of them would have like separated into something else. Yes. Danny's friendship with like Karma and Rain will always probably be super strong. Yes, she'll probably always be still cool with magic, but like I don't really see her and magic hanging out the same way that they used to back in the day. Um, Everyone's kind of grown up now. Yeah, and I would like to see like Danny really continue that. And so for my relaunch for her, I'm sending her back to Asgard. She's a Valkyrie again. Period. Okay. And I really want them to like go full force into like her and Asgard, like meeting the people and like training with them and like getting new aspects to her. Where again, like we've seen her in Asgard before, but they've been for very brief periods. And like, and even when they were like, they were a younger Danny, like who doesn't have the experience she has, who hasn't gone through the things she has. I think you put her in that space now and you have her like meeting with these people like Thor. I really, back in the day, I would have wanted her to be the Valkyrie to Jane Foster's Thor. I don't really know what's going on with Jane Foster as Thor now. You know, she's Valkyrie, but I know they've got the Mighty Thor miniseries coming up. But like seeing Danny with like Odinson and like Sif and like training. I just really want to see that. And again, like you can even come back where you have like those gods coming back and say, you were Cheyenne. And like, she's just like, no, I'm actually Krakoan and I am Cheyenne and I am Valkyrie. And like, these are all me and like how she entertains that. And just like Rose with the big dogs. I also really enjoy her relationship with Hela. So I would love to see them like going back and mm. forth and doing some things like this. So that's really it. We just like sent her back to the <laughs> the Valkyrie. But listen, I sometimes think, sometimes the past is a little bit better than what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> and like I think of Danny on Krakoa right now and unfortunately I just don't know what else she's gonna do. Her role. You know, you know that's kind of been the thing of Krakoa where every character kind of has a a role. a role now. Yeah. And it's just like they're not gonna make her a captain because if they were they would have did it the first go around. Um I don't see her like being on the council. Well, I don't even think I see her wanting to be on the council. No. I I don't want teacher Danny anymore. I think that had like a nice run. I think we've gone past it. And I honestly think Warpath has also taken on that space, so he doesn't need it. And then like the new mutants are just hanging out. <laughs> yeah. I'm over the team getting back together and doing all that. So So it's like let I'm her- a fan of her leaving that we'll leaving the island and going to asgard and doing her whole thing valkyrie daddy was cool and let her like really get immersed into like the thor books and like come up with some people there that she could fight and do some things with and it's just a new challenge for her i just think that would be really exciting to see and i want her and like i think most of the other valkyrie are dead and so if jane is going to become thor again like danny can be the valkyrie i was gonna ask do you want her to become the valkyrie yeah I mean, if it works for her, I think that would be great. I think it's a new role. Not necessarily new, but, like, a fun one for her. Something that I think will really kind of elevate the character, too. And maybe even, like, let her be on another team. She could be an Avenger. Valkyrie's been on the Avengers, right? So, I think she's a great Valkyrie. Sorry. (laughs) And, like, like her death abilities uh, that she got from being a Valkyrie, like, mixed really well with, like, her fear abilities and, like, just, like, like application of how seeing those two powers interact and all the stuff she does there. Uh, And her being a Valkyrie, I really did find it interesting, the conflicts of, like, the Cheyenne gods and stuff. I think that's pretty cool. 
Yeah, like it's just a lot more that we can really delve into and like make big. And then even so, like I think a big part of a lot of these stories that are coming out now is kind of reacclimating people with the characters and like what they do and where they go. And so you got to like hit those storylines a little bit again to make them fresh for the newer generation of folks who are reading comics. So like getting an updated version of that and seeing how it changes and how it affects, I think that could also be super interesting. Yeah, I think that's dope. All right, Danny, Danny Moonstar. Oh. Yeah, it's time to elevate her. She deserves. Um, okay, y'all. Well, that brings us to the end of the show. We appreciate you guys for supporting us. Please make sure you rate and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Um, again, for the book club, we'll be going over. I'm sorry, going over Thor: God of Thunder issues four through nine. And uh, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at another relaunch. You can email us any of your comments at another relaunch. Um, Sorry, another relaunch at gmail.com. <laughs> you can find me on most social media platforms at UncannyLZ. Keenan, where can they find you? You guys know you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Keenan Lance. As always, there's an underscore at the end. Oh my gosh, I'm going to go and take some like Afrin yeah. or whatever. Let's get you better, boo. I miss breathing. <laughs> Let's get up out of here and we'll catch y'all next week. Peace.